0: So the past couple of years, I have moved back over to using a backplate, and I've started teaching my students, even my new students, on using a backplate. And I have held workshops where I teach backplate, and of course, getting your backplate is part of that course. And it's always been met with a little bit of resistance. Even one of my mentors is convinced that a new diver is going to be pushed face down. It makes them uncomfortable and can ruin the scuba experience. But what I'm finding is something that's quite a bit different, and that's what I'm going to talk about in this episode. So welcome to the One Dive at a Time podcast. I'm your host, Rob Anderson. I'm the founder of Neptune Warrior, which is an organization that helps veterans through scuba diving. I also run a few other Ventures. One of them is called Aquatic Awakening, where we are using diving as a way to help with PTSD, traumatic brain injury, anxiety, and depression. And I do marry those two organizations up together. I also do private instruction through scubarob.com. So now I've got all that laid out. Let's go ahead and kind of continue on here. Before I get back into the backplate, though, I do want to send out a congratulations to Ivan and Matt on getting their instructor. Also, I want to say hello to Jacob, who has just signed up for Advanced. Jack, who is about ready to start the long path towards Badass Diver, along with Kathy and Becky. Joshua just finished up Advanced. He's fixing to start in on Rescue. So I've got a lot of stuff and there's a lot, you know, there's a few other people out there too that I've mentioned either in previous podcasts or I'm going to mention them on the next podcast because they've got a couple of milestones to, to meet. The other thing I want to talk about before I get into talking about back is not being a scuba ass hat. So there are a couple of, pages out there on Facebook where people can get together share ideas about scuba ask questions make comments talk about their trips and what I've noticed is that there's a small segment of what a lot of people think is elitism and honestly I think it's more asshatism all of us are ambassadors for scuba diving if there's a new diver that asks a question about their sea card or they ask about taking advanced open water or they ask an equipment question don't rain on somebody else's parade i don't know what kind of insecurity that someone has to have to jump on and be a keyboard commando start playing scuba police Start playing like that they are the know-it-all in diving because you're not. The mark of somebody who truly knows what they're doing in any activity, whether it's scuba diving, skydiving, whatever, hunting, whatever, right? Is that person that is always willing to listen with an open mind to the question and either answer the question or direct someone to resources. I was looking on the board this morning on one of the boards and and somebody had asked a question about, hey, how long after I finish my open water can I go diving? And all kinds of of responses out there, you know, like, well, maybe you should ask your instructor or, hey, if you were truly in scuba diving lessons, you would know that. There is a lot of information that gets thrown out at new divers. And maybe the instructor mentioned it. Maybe they didn't. I still have people that go through open water, through another instructor, and they ask, hey, is it okay if I go diving, if my buddy and I, if we go diving? Because they don't know there's a failure in communication. And, you know, that's okay. There are people who ask questions about how soon can they go into advanced open water or they announce that, hey, I'm going into advanced open water. And somebody comes in and trounces on them about, well, you don't have enough dives or that's just greedy instructors, whatever it is, right? Don't be the asshat that dissuades people from what they're doing. And just it drives me nuts when I see that kind of stuff. So that's my public safety announcement or my, yeah, my public, yeah, my my public uh, awareness announcement, I guess we'll call it. Just don't be an asshat in diving. There's a reason why the sport grows in the wrong areas and fails to grow in the right areas. And it's because of people like that. People who dissuade people from taking specialties. So here's another quick example that I talked about and right now I'm moving all my, all my online work. For lessons, I'm, I'm posting my lectures into an app. And one of the, one of those lectures I talked about when I was recording yesterday was liability. All right. You're a diver. You know how to dive a dry suit. You're a diver. You've got a full face mask, you're a diver and you've got a DPV and your buddy comes out and you hand off your DPV to him. You hand off your, your full face mask and you go diving. Now there are a lot of dive buddies who have never met the family of their other dive buddy. I see it all the time out at when we're out at Lucky Peak. Divers get to know each other. But because their spouses don't dive, they don't they don't know that other person's family, right? All right, so you're the buddy that hands off your DPV. Your dive buddy is trying out that DPV. And because they weren't listening or because they failed to follow instructions they take that DPV from 60 feet to 10 feet because they think it's kind of cool to ascend like that or maybe it's just 30 feet to to 10 feet holding their breath because that's one of the things that happens when you're doing aerobatics or in this case aquabatics and they embolize and they die guess who's now liable now maybe your buddy wouldn't have sued you But you don't know that family. They may not even like the fact that the person's diving. And you do have a lot of diver animosity out there from spouses. Trust me, I lived that life. You don't want to be the person who's not an instructor, who's not covered by a million dollar liability policy like the rest of us, like all instructors are or should be. And now you get sued. So not only are you responsible for someone's death and the moral obligation on that, but now there's a financial obligation. And I hear on those boards all the time about, well, just hang out with other divers and you'll, you'll figure it out. There's a reason why we train to become instructors. There's a reason why we carry a policy. There's a reason why we update our training annually. We're constantly learning. So again, just a, a word to all the, all the assets out there all right, hey, this thing on backplates. And it's it's crazy because when I started doing this, it was kind of controversial. And now there's a lot more of a movement towards backplates. So I started out as a backplate diver back in 1994, uh, primarily because I couldn't afford anything else and I could get my hands on a, on a backplate and I was able to get my hands on, a, on an old wing. And I admit I went through the whole cycle of trying new and improved BCDs. I've probably owned, I don't know, 20 or 30 different BCDs over over my time. And one of the things that kept happening over and over again is the wear and tear on them. If you tear a pocket or if you tear, you know, something on, you know, a BCD gets, the jacket starts to wear out, the whole thing is bad. You have to replace the entire BCD. And I don't use cheap BCDs. So anywhere between $500 to $900 for a BCD is what I'm getting into. And then there's just the way that a BCD is much cleaner and more streamlined and where it places the weight on you. But for a long time, there was just this misconception that backplates and wings were for technical diving or backplates and wings would always put you face down in the water. And that backplates and wings were not where a new diver should be starting at. And I think a lot of that, or I have to think a lot of that, was coming out of an industry that produces a lot of BCDs. And even now with the backplates and wings, you're starting to get a lot of uh, bells and whistles on them. You know, a basic backplate and wing is just a single strap that works as your both your shoulder strap and your hip strap. But now you've got, and it's good, there's there's a place for it, but now you've got where you have adjustments. You've got adjustment buckles. You've got more D-rings. You've got more stuff to put on there, which kind of takes away from that clean aspect of the back plate and wing. And then there's the whole thing of going back to weight belts instead of having integrated. Now, I recognize that there are back plates that have integrated weights on them. I still like to have A separate weight belt even when I was dying with or diving with integrated weights I would always have a weight belt with a little bit of weight because if I have to take that thing off I don't want to have to struggle you know if I'm underwater and I have to remove it to clear fouled lines or something like that I don't want to have to have all my weight on that back plate and wing or the or the or the BCD so I always wore a belt but it puts you back into old-school weight belts it's not as cool as some of the BCDs look out there. But the big part was it puts you face forward. And you know what, on the surface, there's a way that you counter that through training, but it puts you in the right position for when you're diving. It automatically throws you into that, into that prone position. So again, you know, th- there's always that misconception that throws you, f- throws you forward on the surface. Uh, you know, just one more reason why you want to have a snorkel, and it, especially the horseshoe wing-shaped bladders. You know, th- now that we're all using, or most of us are using, donut style, it you tend to not have it as bad. Plus, you don't, you know, with the horseshoe style, it always it always felt like you know the air was in in one side of the bladder or the other, and with the donuts, it's not it's not quite like that. Also, proper weighting and where the weights are actually going will keep you from, from throwing you into the into the, to the face forward. But a big part is through training, just making sure that the diver understands what it feels like. It's where the weights are actually placed at. With a backplate, you don't always have that problem, especially if you're using stainless steel backplates. I, I have used aluminum and I've had students get into aluminum. When I've got a student that can't really, uh, well, I've got students that are not going for dive certification, they just want to play pool only as part of our aquatic awakening program. They never, ever want to go get certified in the open water. They just want to play. An aluminum plate is great for that. I've got some divers that want to travel, but with a steel back plate, I like where that weight fits over the body. And you've already got somewhat of integrated weight. You've got at least about you know six pounds of weight already with that. And so as a diver starts to feel that forward sensation or that or that tipping sensation, they it's it's something that that, that you that you can train through and and get them to the point where they're comfortable with that. And then if if you have to do a surface swim, Hey, why not go ahead and do it with your, you know, do it with your snorkel like you're supposed to? Everyone thinks that just because, well, I don't want to say everyone, but a lot of people think that because a backplate and a wing is all technical, then now we suddenly lose a snorkel. So making sure that wing is not overinflated, making sure that you're not overweighted, is is part of that process. I think what I like about the backplate with a wing setup is it allows me to minimize all that clutter and all that bulk of the BCD. I'm able to keep my stuff clean. Even though I've got D rings, I don't tend to hang a lot of stuff off D rings. I will use pockets that are either on my wetsuit or I'll wear tech shorts as a way to, as a way to compensate for that. It allows you to get into that proper, uh, the, into the proper trim position. It puts you in the proper posture. So I was working with a diver yesterday, one of my new advanced divers. He's got great buoyancy, by the way. And one of the things that I learned very quickly was that his he was struggling, struggling a little bit to get in the right trim position that I was demonstrating and that's because of how the weights were distributed throughout the BCD plus you've got some air cells that actually come up around you around your around your rib area and it's not concentrated in the back plus where the weights sit the weights are not over your lungs and your, and your respiratory system which is really where you want the weights at and a back plate especially a stainless steel back plate is going to do that for you And so it's less effort to maintain that horizontal orientation. And it's a lot easier to just sit there and hover. And that's one of the areas that he was struggling. He couldn't just sit there and hover. Because he was either being pushed or he was being pulled back, uh, you know, vertically. And so the back plate allows for that motionless hovering. And it, it keeps you horizontal underwater by allowing you to lay perfectly with your head out or your head up and your arms out in front of you or your arms tucked up underneath you. But again, it's just, it's simple and it's streamlined and if you have to replace components, you don't have to replace the whole BCD. I've got the same back plate that I've had since about 1995. And I've never, I repeat, never, ever replaced the harness on it. The wing I've replaced two or three times. But the harness I've never replaced, and obviously the back plate I've never replaced. I've got another backplate that was on my double set. I actually gave it to Matt with some steel 100s. And an OMS backplate, and it's it's going through the through the cycles with him. When you look at the buckles and all the adjustments on a BCD, you've got a cummerbund, you've got a, a belly band or a buckle that goes across the uh, goes across the front. You might have zippers. Uh, you've got torso buckle you've got shoulder strap adjustments all that is more stuff that a diver has to work through it's more stuff that a diver has to adjust and that can become task loading when setting up in what's now called the Hogarthian method of a back plate it's a single strap you can make strap adjustments by either pulling on the strap and pushing the waist strap because it's all the same. If you've never seen one, basically it's a single strap that comes off the shoulders, goes back into the into the back plate, and it comes back out as a waistband. Well to make adjustments on that you you either to to tighten it up you you push on the on the shoulder straps while pulling on the weight belt, or I'm sorry, the weights, the the uh, waist strap. Or if you need to loosen it up, you you push in on the waist strap and pull on the shoulders. It's an easy adjustment. So all those clips and all those buckles and and all the and the zippers and everything else on a BCD jacket it increases that task loading. And if you wind up in a situation where you're either trying to self-rescue or, or get rescued, it can slow down the response. Because you've got all these clips that you have to pull off. What I find is that by putting someone to a backplate, you're setting them up to be a lifetime diver. They've made the investment in the equipment. They've got something that they can, as, as, they, as they grow in their skill set, they can change out the wing. They can um, they can add D-rings and things like that if they want to. If they want to set it up for doubles, they can set the thing up for doubles. If they want to go single tank, if they want to go out, you know, and again, swapping bladders. So Becky and Kathy, my recent advanced graduates Kathy wanted to go down to a 19 pound wing and Becky wanted to move up to a 35 pound wing and so we purchased wings for them and they were able to swap that out on their own these are two divers that at one point struggled with making sure that their gear was assembled very you know was assembled well And now now they're at a point their competence and their confidence is high. They've had a lot of repetitions of putting gear together. And now they're swapping out gear on their own. That's pretty cool. And not only speaks to their ability to, you know, to to learn something that for, for them was a little bit of a struggle. By the way, both great divers now. It's just that not everybody's brain processes putting things together. Now, for all those seasoned divers out there and for the asshats of the group, y- you might scoff at that. But there, there are people who, you know, for whatever reason, in the beginning phases of diving, struggled with that. And now they're at a point where they're swapping out bladders and, and adjusting belts and things like that. And for a lot of us, it doesn't sound like it's any big deal. For them, it's huge. For new divers it's huge. And there's a few of you that can think back to when you first started diving just how difficult it was to get your gear together, make sure it's put together right. Watching my students with the back plate and wing and watch them progress through and watch them add stuff to it and make adjustments. It just brings that diving so much closer to being a passion. And I love it when I see a diver show up on site and they've got a backplate and wing. They've had it for, I don't know, two, three, four, five, 15 years or whatever. The thing's covered in, it's got scratches, it's got a few dents. You can see that the harness is kind of worn on it. It's got stickers all over it. Someone shows up on my dive site like that. I know they're pretty squared away by just looking at their gear, because it's not a brand new BCD jacket. And as a dive, you know, when I'm working as a dive master, I like the fact that I don't have to go figure out some complex weighting system. Especially if they've gone old school weight belt. I know they've got a, If they've got a stainless steel backplate, all right, well, right there, six pounds. Where's your dumpable weight? Dumpable weight is around the waist, and we're good to go. Just so many different advantages with you know with with that backplate and harness. You but you buy stuff once, all right. You buy the backplate once. I've never in thirty years of diving I've never seen a backplate fail. It does what a BCD cannot do. If you had to own one one BCD, you're a brand-new diver, and you're told that the rest of your diving career, you get one buoyancy compensating device, what's it going to be? I've had rangers tear up. I've had stilettos wear out. I had a black diamond that I saved and saved and worked extra jobs for. I had a shoot too that I absolutely loved. All those BCDs are dead and gone. Yeah, I've got a couple of stilettos still hanging around. I'll probably sell them here in a couple of weeks. But that backplate and harness is something that will stay with me my entire dive career. And if I had it to do all over again, When I started Neptune Warrior, because we spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on BCDs, and we were wearing them out in the pool because the high concentrations of chlorine and, and everything else, right? And there was a point where we were in the water with divers five days out of seven, sometimes six. If I had it to do over again, I wouldn't have spent thousands and thousands of dollars on buying and replacing BCDs. Even the ones that we got donated, they had a pretty pretty short end of life. And if we got one that was really, really good, most likely it was getting hooked up with a vet. Moving back over to back plate and wing really opened up a lot of what we're doing in diving, especially when I'm working with my divers who are doing aquatic awakening. And we're doing aquatic awakening exercises. We're in three to, three to four and a half feet of water So they're standing for instructions and then they're they're going underwater and it already puts them to a position that is very Zen-like. Puts them face down. They're not struggling. That back plate is right over the top of their respiratory area. All right, so that's my homage to the back plate on this one. Coming down to what a lot of people think is the end of the dive season and it's kind of the opening of a new dive season for us right now, Heading out to Bon Air here in about four or five days, I'll be doing some broadcasting or podcasting from down there. Make sure that you're checking that out. And the Brooks and I have got a really special trip going to dive a former missile silo. So I spent years in the Air Force. I never did. I never pulled missile duty or, you know, worked in security forces doing missile duty was really glad I didn't do that but uh, this will be I get to go see part of uh, part of history and we're gonna go do that in March, it's a cold water dive it is, uh, we're gonna use dry, you know obviously using dry suits probably go with uh, larger tanks on this one but really looking forward to it alright so that's my ramblings coming in from Seattle and I'll be checking back in with you, I know I've kind of pod faded for a little bit But that's just because I've been super busy with doing diving and doing boating and things like that. So that's all I've got for this episode. Remember, as long as you've got air, you are all right.